Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, on 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM Ridgecrest and China Lake, California, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Pennsylvania on 93 FM, WLRI in Lancaster. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM, KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM. In Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yes, coast to coast and around the globe. Streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. You can run, but you can't hide. We are your democracy headquarters fighting for democracy even when we're not in the middle of uh, of an election and it's too late to do anything about it. And sure enough, sure enough, yes, it's happening again. It's happening. To, we ought to get the uh, poltergeist. Uh, what, what's happening? It's happening again. Uh, things I warned you about, things we've been warning you about on this program, things we've been warning you about every single day on this program, uh, frankly, year after year on this program, them chickens is now coming home to roost in our 2016 election. I'll get to that momentarily. Also coming up a bit later today, uh, the Green News Report and Desi Doyen. Hello, hey. Desi. How are you there? I'm good. Uh, comparing, uh, contrasting the Democratic National Convention with the Republican National Convention when it comes to uh, environmental issues. Yes, it's it's quite extensive. You'll love it. I was going to say, I can only imagine how this comparison will work out. <laughs> what could possibly I be the difference? Uh, yeah, what difference? Uh, also today, maybe uh, some time for your calls. We'll see. Uh, once again, we've got, uh, as you like to say there down in Texas, Desi, a... Uh, Five-pound show in a one-pound sack? Yeah, that's is that what it right. is? All right. Well, that's what we got. I got a lot to cover today, uh, although I always like to hear from you, particularly when we are live in the uh, KPFK Pacifica Radio studios here in uh, Los Angeles or North Hollywood or wherever the hell we are. Uh, but maybe we'll get to some of your calls today at 818-985-5735. We will see. Uh, yesterday on the broadcast, if you missed it, you can download it uh, at bradblog.com or kpfk.org or over at iTunes. Uh, we had uh, the ACLU's um, uh, voting project's attorney, Julie Ebenstein, talking about these huge voting rights victories we have seen in state after state, in both state and federal courts around the country in just the past few days. And in the past uh, couple of in the past couple of weeks, we've seen encouraging voting rights uh, rulings from the courts in at least six states: North Carolina, Wisconsin, Texas, Kansas, Michigan, and North Dakota. 
where we, we saw victories within the past two weeks as Republican voter suppression laws uh, like photo ID restrictions, cutbacks to early voting, registration restrictions and more have have been struck down or substantially weakened by the courts. Incredibly positive news, huge victories, particularly on the GOP photo ID restrictions, just cutting them down. Uh, in, uh, in in places like North Carolina, finding exactly what we've told you here for years in person, polling place impersonation is vanishingly rare. It is a solution in search of a problem. I think that's the we've been using that phrase for years. I think that's what the court actually used. The fourth uh, Fourth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals that these laws are not meant to fight fraud, but to keep Democratic leaning voters from voting. And that um in, New, in uh, North Carolina, for example, Republicans knew in advance. They knew, uh, we now have evidence that they knew it when they implemented uh, what I've called the, uh, the worst voter suppression law in the United States since Jim Crow. And guess what? The Fourth U.S. Circuit Court used almost exactly the same language to describe that law out there. Uh, not just photo ID, but all kinds of other restrictions uh, to voting. It is the mother of all voter suppression laws. And the courts happily pretty much destroyed it on Friday. Um, They found that the law was implemented in a way that, quote, targeted African-Americans with nearly surgical precision. So much of what we have been uh, uh, explaining to you on this uh, on this show year after year. And, um, well, turns out we were right. Who knew? Well, I did. And now the uh, the courts are uh, making that quite clear. So. Some things looking good in that regard, uh, but there's still a lot more concerns uh, out there. Uh, still a lot of bad laws, still a lot of uh, ways that the uh, the election this year can be gamed. Um, on a more local level today, uh, a little something for our Southern California listeners. We've got some good news coming out of San Diego uh, in the past uh, 24 hours. A ruling on post-election audits that was filed uh, by a longtime uh, election integrity advocate by the name of Ray Lutz. He's the national coordinator of Citizens Oversight. Uh, he filed a lawsuit because he discovered that down there in San Diego, Uh, they were not doing proper post-election audits. Now, California is one of the few states in the country that requires even a minimal, easily uh, gamed, frankly, but even a minimal post-election audit where they bother to count paper ballots after the election by human beings as opposed to computers. Computers count all of the votes. Uh, but in California, the counties are supposed to take one percent of the ballots cast on Election Day, cast by mail, uh, provisional ballots and so forth, and do a hand audit of those uh, of those results. Well, they were shortcutting things for some reason down in San Diego. And uh, Ray Lutz uh, filed this lawsuit. He's a citizen election integrity advocate. He's been overseeing, trying to oversee elections for some time. He filed a lawsuit that uh, after he discovered that San Diego was only doing an audit on Election Day ballots and vote by mail ballots that had showed up by Election Day, whereas you had tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, actually, of ballots that were excluded from that audit. Uh, He says some 285,000 ballots were not included as part of that 1% audit. 
a judge now has uh, ordered this problem to be corrected. It's very clear in the election code. The judge looked at it and said, yeah, it's very clear in the election code. They need to include all of the ballots when they are selecting their so supposedly random one percent of, of precincts to hand count in order to make sure that the machines counted them accurately. Now, I've seen those post-election audits done uh, routinely in California. They often do not match up with the results, and they are uh, the results are certified anyway. So I'm not a big fan of post-election audits, but I am a big fan of people taking action to try to uh, improve the procedures, make it harder for the bad guys to uh, to get away with things, make it harder for just simple errors to slip into the process. So we have a victory down there uh, for now in San Diego, and it uh, should apply now to the entire state. That's good. Thank you, Ray Lutz. Greatly appreciated uh, that action that uh, that they took. And the national coordinator, uh, Ray Lutz, of the Citizens Oversight Group. Thank you. That's exactly the type of precision lawsuit we need to change bad voting laws and bad procedures around the country. But now contrast that with what so many of the folks who are yelling this year that the election was stolen uh, uh, for for Hillary Clinton, that there was fraud this year, without, in my opinion, good evidence to support that case. I have just not seen, you know, many more, any more irregularities than I've seen in most elections in years past, to be frank. But there are a lot of people who are concerned about it. They're trying to oversee it. They're trying to do something about it. And I'm greatly appreciative of that. So uh, we've heard this a lot from Bernie Sanders supporters, and I'll get to more on that in a moment. But now we're also hearing it from Republicans over the weekend and, and not just the nonsense about photo ID and voter fraud, the crap that they try to sell every year in order to keep legitimate legal voters from being able to cast their vote. Um, but we, we're now seeing it where they're talking, what, about voting machines and that the Democrats are going to rig the voting machines? Well, Maybe they will. Here's what uh, Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump's pal, his very close advisor, Richard Nixon's dirty trickster, a guy by the name of uh, Roger Stone. Here he is talking to Breitbart News, this right wing uh, website uh, founded by a guy named Andrew Breitbart. You remember him if you've been listening to the broadcast or reading Bradblog.com for a while. Uh, here's what he told uh, uh, a radio show that they run over on uh, Breitbart News, a podcast, uh, talking about how Democrats are going to use voting machines to rig the election for Hillary. Now, he mixes up election fraud and voter fraud here, but but you'll get the gist. In this day and age, a computer can do anything. These voter machines are essentially a computer. Who is to say they could not be rigged? Of course they can. I think we have widespread voter fraud. The first thing that Trump needs to do is begin talking about it constantly. It's yeah. inoculation, if you will. He needs to say, for example, today would be a perfect example. I am leading in Florida. The polls all show it. If I lose Florida, we will know that there's voter fraud. Yeah. If there's voter fraud... This election will be illegitimate. The election of the winner will be illegitimate. We will have a constitutional crisis. We will have widespread civil disobedience. And the government will no longer be the government. If we can't have an honest election, nothing else counts. What I mean, civil disobedience, not violence, but it will be a bloodbath. The government yeah. will be literally shut down if they attempt to steal this 
and swear Hillary in. No, we will not stand for it. We will not stand for it. So, so it's not a bloodbath. Only uh, it'll be a bloodbath. Yeah, right. It's just civil. It's not to violence, but it will be a bloodbath instead. That was uh, Roger Stone uh, on the uh, on the Breitbart uh, podcast, whatever that is, um, offering that ominous uh, warning and telling uh, Donald Trump he needs to be talking about they're going to rig the election. They're going to rig the election. Uh, the end, of course, as I said, he mixes up voter fraud and election fraud. Election fraud is, you know, includes voter fraud. But election fraud is uh, generally insiders gaming the elections. The voters uh, are doing fine in general. Leave the voters alone. Voter fraud is not the concern here. It's uh, election fraud, even if you take him uh, his warnings seriously about rigging the election with computers as he says. So he goes on to add, Roger Stone does, how the disparities between the exit polls and the reported results during the Democratic primary prove that Hillary Clinton and the DNC stole the election from Bernie Sanders, etc., using some of the terribly misleading reporting on those exit polls that has been disseminated throughout the entire uh, election uh, primary process by a lot of Sanders supporters. Uh, and as I said, a bit more on that in a moment. I call it terrible and misleading because, well, those exit polls, we do not have the raw data from those exit polls. The the information that is released from the exit polls is adjusted by the pollsters from the beginning. It is weighted uh, to try to match what they believe the uh, the electorate will be in the county or the state that they are uh, that they are exit polling in. All right. But uh, so now uh, that's coming from the right, the right concern about uh, electronic voting systems. And, and the right has never they've never given much credence uh, in general. There's been a few candidates who have been screwed by the machines uh, who I've worked with over the years because they you know, they're concerned about uh, after the election, after they've feel they've gotten screwed by the machines, some folks on the right, Republicans. Uh, but by and large, Republicans have never given much credence to concerns about hacked or or erroneous electronic voting systems. They have told me for years, by the way, that computers are much more trustworthy than paper ballots because, you see, they don't trust people. They trust computers, never mind who programs the computers. Anyway, that's what's been coming from the right. Um Ironically, by the way, I should I should add one point here uh, that uh, one of the last things that Breitbart News founder Andrew Breitbart, uh, he used to uh, we used to go back and forth on Twitter and on the radio and so forth. One of the last things that he tried to taunt me with on Twitter uh, before he died uh, was a tweet. I had to go back and find it. He did this a lot. But one of the last tweets was um, him attempting to ridicule my reporting for years, exposing the dangers of electronic voting systems that are made by Diebold and ESNS and Hardiner Civic and Sequoia and Dominion and so forth, and how easily those unoverseeable electronic voting and tabulation systems, even though, you know, the paper ballot systems, they use computers to tabulate how easily they could be manipulated and how frequently they simply fail. One of uh, Breitbart's last tweets to me was something like, Diebold, 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 in all caps. Uh, and then he died. But anyway, so making fun of me for reporting on the hackability, the, uh, the easily... Uh, 
just often wrong uh, results reported by these machines. And now his own website in his absence, now that he's dead, uh, is essentially warning about the same thing, though they're using this uh, crazy kind of conspiracy theory guy, Roger Stone, to do it, to make this argument, claiming that he fears the election will be rigged by Hillary Clinton. Well, sure enough, no sooner did Roger Stone say that over the weekend than here comes Donald Trump at a rally in Ohio. Here's what he had to say about the uh, possibilities of a rigged election. And I'm afraid the election's going to be rigged, I have to be honest, because I think my side was rigged. If I didn't win by massive landslides, I mean, think of what we won in New York and Indiana, California, 78 percent. That's with other people in the, in the race. But think of it. I hear more and more that the election on November 8th, can you believe we're almost there? Yeah, can you believe? And then he gets lost. And then he goes streaming off. He was going to come back and say something about it, but then he gets completely lost. Uh, But warning that he he fears the election is going to be rigged, rigged by Hillary Clinton. Uh, Then, I think it was the same night, uh, he he sort of completed the thought, I guess, when he was on uh, Sean Hannity on Fox News. Let's put the word news in quotes. And my friend uh, Dr. Tucker tweets tweets me just now at the Brad blog, where you can tweet me as well, to say just call it Breitbart. Don't call it Breitbart News, because uh, like Fox News, that's a contradiction in terms. True enough. I guess you can't see my air quotes on the radio in any in any event. So there's Hannity uh, interviewing Donald Trump that same night on Fox air quote news. Here's what Trump says. I've been hearing about it for a long time. And I know last time there were you had precincts where there were practically nobody voting for the Republican. And I think that's wrong. I think that was unfair, frankly, to Mitt Romney. You had areas where a lot of people were curious. How is that possible? And I've been hearing about it for a long time, and I just hope that there's really, I hope the Republicans get out there and watch very closely, because I think we're going to win this election. But if it's rigged, like anything else, look, it was rigged, I thought, a little bit for me, and we won in landslides. I think it was rigged against Bernie Sanders with his superdelegates nonsense. Absolutely. Was, well, we know it was rigged you know, now. We never have had a chance. And, and I'm telling you, November 8th, we better be careful because that election is going to be rigged. And I hope the Republicans are watching closely or it's going to be taken away from us. So there's uh, Donald Trump. Now, uh, by the way, he's right. It could be taken away from him. It could be rigged. It could be stolen via electronic voting systems. I'll just leave that point there for the moment, and I'll I'll, I'll be circling back to this. But uh, one of his points uh, on the Hannity show there where he says there were precincts where very few voted for Romney. Well, we looked at Bradblog.com. We looked at all of the claims uh, about election fraud uh, in the presidential election back in 2012. And, yes, there were some precincts where there were zero votes for Mitt Romney. As it turns out, four years earlier, in those same precincts, there were zero votes in that in those same precincts for John McCain. These guys uh, weren't very popular in those particular precincts. So to and that wasn't the only thing we looked at. You can go back to Bradblog.com. You can look up uh, all of the claims uh, that we went through one by one by one to see if they checked out. And in every case, they did not check out. Doesn't mean there wasn't fraud. But we were not able to find the evidence for it. The evidence we found was to the contrary. And uh, I love that Hannity jumps in there and says, well, we know it was rigged. We've seen the emails talking about the uh, DNC emails that were were leaked. Um, (laughs) 
that was not that's not a stolen election. OK, that's the DNC with its thumb on the scale for its preferred candidate. But that's a far cry from rigging the results, from changing election results, from stealing the elections. All right. Nonetheless, it was no sooner that Roger Stone made his claims on Breitbart and Trump came out and repeated those claims just as Roger Stone had told him to about a rigged election. No sooner did he do that on the heels of last week's allegations that Russia hacked these DNC emails and released them. Uh, then the media began pouring forth with one article after another about their about the concerns after all of these years that, oh, no. Could the election be hacked this November? This is a serious problem. Could foreign powers come in and hack the election via these electronic voting systems? Here's NPR's uh, article. This is one after another. Um, let's see. NPR, Christian Science Monitor, The Daily Beat, one after another. Here's NPR's headline, Hacking an Election, Why It's Not As Far-Fetched As You May Think. Oh, really, NPR? Who knew? The article starts out, uh, the recent hacking of Democratic Party databases and strong suspicions that the Russian government is involved have led to new fears that new fears, really new fears and uh, anyway, new fears that America's voting systems are vulnerable to attack and that an outsider could try to disrupt the upcoming elections. A cyber attack on U.S. elections isn't as far fetched as you might think. Just a week and a half ago, Illinois election officials shut down that state's voter registration database after discovering it had been hacked. In June, Arizona took its voter registration system offline after the FBI warned it might have uh, it, might, it too might have been hacked, although no evidence of that was found. In May, security analyst David Levin was arrested after he gained access to the Lee County, Florida elections site. Levin had said in a YouTube video that he was trying to show how vulnerable the system was. Quote, yeah, you could be in Siberia and still perform the attack that I performed on the local supervisor of election website. So this is very important, unquote. And then, of course, he was arrested for exposing that vulnerability. The county says the problems were later fixed. And nonetheless, this guy who did know uh, didn't re release any information. He exposed the problems with this system uh, and he was arrested for it. Did it publicly. Uh, anyway, uh, that was that was back in May. Pam Smith, the president of Verified Voting, who we've had on this program many times over the years, she said, uh, quote, where there's a fully electronic voting system, there's potential for tampering of some kind. And she says uh, that uh, VerifiedVoting.org uh, has been warning about such tampering for years. They have been. She said, if you can get an election manage, if you can get an election management system, you could potentially alter results or muddy up the results. Or you could even just shed doubt on the outcome because you make it clear that there has been tampering, she says. No kidding. No kidding, NPR. No kidding, Daily Beast and Christian Science Monitor. That's exactly what we have been reporting for. How many years, Desi Doyen? How many years have I been driving 
uh, listeners and you crazy <laughs> with this stuff, crazy with these warnings. More than 10 years. Yeah, at least. At least. You know, but it's and, not just you, yeah. you know, and, and I, I also point out to people, it's not just you. You know, you used to be a computer programmer, so you do understand how these things work, but also it's national security experts, computer yes. experts who, who live on this stuff, and they have said for years now the exact same thing. I'm glad the mainstream corporate media is finally paying attention. The CIA has said it. We have years ago a presentation uh, by a CIA analyst warning about elections. He couldn't talk about American elections, but he was talking about overseas elections, foreign elections, in which uh, he, he said they have seen the electronic systems being compromised. Duh! We know it! What the hell are you going to do about it, U.S. of A.? So in one sense, uh, Donald Trump, who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, is making stuff up. But his concerns are absolutely right. Uh, and in another sense, you've got the Sanders uh, folks who and I'm going to talk. We'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, a new report out from uh, Election Justice USA and some other people uh, about their concerns concerning the Democratic primary cycle and whether that was hacked or stolen in some fashion, whether there was election fraud throughout the cycle. A lot of people have been asking me about this, uh, specifically about this new report um, that was just released, but elsewhere as well, uh, other reports as well in the past uh, in the past week. So I want to comment on those. But uh, in the mainstream, we've seen a lot of, you know, very similar articles uh, about this, suddenly they're concerned now that it is too late to do anything about it. Frankly, we are too close to the election to really uh, take action, at least as far as uh, changing systems, moving to a new. And by the way, they're going to move to new computer systems, which all have the same kind of problems as the old computer systems. Rather than, you know, hand counting uh, ballots. So my my point here. Uh, and I'll talk more about this after the break. Uh, but my point is not the possibility uh, of a hacked or rigged election at the moment, but the concerns about a hacked or rigged elections and how damaging, how damaging those concerns in and of themselves are to our democracy. And this is my point. Whether there is fraud or not, we are undermining democracy by using these systems, which brings me uh, to that election justice report. But let's take a break and I will come back on that. You're listening to the broadcast. Thank you for doing so. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. How bizarre. Crazy. All right, welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Don't know if we're going to make it to the calls or not, but you can uh, you can give it a try. 818-985-5735. 
818-985-KPFK. If I can get to the calls and your questions on this, I will. Um, so we're talking about uh, the concerns that suddenly uh, the right, the Republicans, Donald Trump, the mainstream media that they suddenly have about hacked elections and how easy it is to manipulate our electronic voting systems. And that is whether you are voting uh, on a touchscreen system or on a paper ballot system, which is also run through an optical scan computer and can similarly be gamed. Now, uh, there have long been these concerns, generally disregarded by Republicans, generally seen as conspiracy theory by uh, by the mainstream corporate media who are suddenly now going, oh, maybe we should be concerned. Maybe there is a problem. Did I say welcome back to the broadcast? Brad Friedman from <laughs> bradblog.com. OK, there but I go. You did now, I did so. now. OK, well, with that in mind. It's, and, it's nice of them to notice, though. And, and well. <laughs> With uh, with that in mind, by the way, that's Desi Doyen, our producer. She's here as well. Okay, a new report, and uh, this is uh, one of several that has come out recently, looking at the primary election and concerns about Bernie Sanders uh, and Hillary Clinton. Was the election stolen? Uh, usually, uh, the charge that I've seen is that it was stolen by Hillary or the the Democrats, uh, the DNC, from Bernie Sanders. Uh, we have looked at. As many of these, pretty much all of the uh, the complaints that I have seen throughout the year, we've looked at there is legitimacy to some, not of Hillary or the DNC stole, stealing it, but, you know, problems, counts that don't match up, fraud, concerns that there could be fraud. I always need to underscore that uh, the concerns could be error as well as fraud. Just error in the counts. These machines fail all the time. They named the wrong winners. Uh, someone who didn't win an election, they named them as the winner. And you would never know unless you bothered to count the ballots where actual paper ballots are available. Uh, OK, so I, I want to get to this Election Justice USA report. Uh, and you can go to uh, their website, electionjusticeusa.org, to read it for yourself. It's a 100-page report, a lot of information. Um, some good folks over there working on this thing. So a lot of people have been asking me about it, and I want to respond to a few points. Obviously, not enough time to go through an entire 100-page report here, but let me just give you my general take on this report. So Election Justice USA, um, reading from their report here, is a national nonpartisan team of seasoned election integrity experts, attorneys, statisticians, journalists, and activists. This report summarizes the work of the Election Justice USA forensics and legal teams, uh, during this, uh, the period of the uh, primary election, uh, EJUSA is working not only to expose the voter suppression and election fraud taking place during the 2016 presidential primaries, but to build a mass movement calling for three simple, affordable reforms that will render direct fraud and suppression impossible, safeguarding U.S. elections for future candidates. Now, I'll just comment for a moment to say uh, you cannot render direct fraud or suppression impossible, but you can make it much harder, and I support their efforts to do that. The, the intro of the report goes on to say the argument Election Justice USA is advancing suggests that an algorithm may have been applied to electronically counted votes during the Democratic prim, uh, primary. Election Justice USA has established an upper estimate of 184 pledged delegates lost by Senator Sanders as a consequence of specific irregularities and instances of fraud. Adding these delegates to Senator Sanders' pledged delegate total and subtracting the same number from Hillary Clinton's total, 
would more than erase the 359 pledged delegate gap between the two candidates, they say. EJUSA established that upper estimate through exit polling data statistical analysis by precinct size, attention to details of Democratic proportional awarding of national delegates, uh, and they say even small changes in vote shares in critical states like Massachusetts and New York could have substantially changed the media narrative. Um, so that's just to give you an idea. Uh, they go on to make recommendations uh, for the avoidance of election fraud in the future in, in U.S. elections. Fraud, they claim, has gone on here in the primary. And on this point, on these three points, by the way, I completely agree with them. And I want to get this in before I get to breaking down some of the details of their report, because I completely agree with their recommendations. Very simply put, number one, two, three, one, exclusive use of hand counted paper ballots in all future U.S. elections. Good solution. Very difficult to game publicly overseen hand counted paper ballots. Well, that's one hand-marked paper ballots, not computer-printed paper ballots like we're about to get here in Los Angeles uh, in in the next year or two. But hand-marked paper ballots counted by hand at the precinct. Well, yeah, that's that's part of the reason, like when we saw the Brexit vote in Britain, they used hand-counted paper-marked, I mean hand-marked paper Which ballots. Which is one of the reasons why it's hard to discredit the results, unlike in this, in this country. Right. N- number two, automatic voter registration. With same-day party affiliation switching as a mandatory condition for all elections that are publicly funded, I agree with that as well. So everyone's registered, and if they want to switch parties on the day of the primary, they can do it at the polling place, at least if these are publicly funded elections. Shouldn't exclude somebody, I, I believe, if, if the taxpayers are paying for the election, shouldn't exclude anybody from being able to vote. Uh, number three, restoration of voting rights legislation, which would ensure adequate access to polling sites. So this refers to the Supreme Court gutting uh, the Voting Rights Act and so forth. So I agree with all of the recommendations in the Election Justice USA report um, without apology, without uh, you know question. Now, I'm loath to criticize their report because I don't want to discourage anyone anyone from investigating, anyone in the public from investigating our elections. And I've, you know, want to say I've reviewed dozens and dozens of pages of their report and other ones that we've seen in recent weeks. I have not read the whole thing. It's 100 pages, a lot of stuff, a lot of data, um, a lot of uh, stuff, frankly, that I'm not a statistical expert or a polling expert. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll post a link to it at Brad blog, and I hope you'll read it for yourself to make your own decisions about it. As I said, there's some good, honest work in there by some very good people, a fellow by the name of Paul Thomas, for example, one of the folks who did excellent work back, uh, on the 2004 election in Ohio. So it, the, the report ultimately documents much of what we have known and talked about on this program, on the broadcast and at bradblog.com for years, that we have terrible, opaque counting systems, terrible, often easily gamed registration systems, and terrible state and county procedures. But the report itself, while there's a lot of good stuff in there, uh, the, the, the report, particularly the sections uh, on exit polling disparities and electronic voting systems, I think, just my opinion, go read it for yourself, uh, but I think it and other reports like it are hugely over-reliant 
uh, on the already adjusted or incomplete or inaccurately represented exit poll data and statistical assumptions uh, or analysis about that, comparing the disparities between what the exit poll said and what the uh, actual reported results were from the computers. In short, let me put this another way. I don't care about supposed exit poll disparities, and I don't care for a number of reasons. For one, exit polls uh, are not done the same way here in the U.S. that they are done uh, in other countries where they are specifically designed to protect against potential fraud or at least to uh, offer signs of potential fraud. Uh, the polls here, and I've talked to many exit pollsters about this over the years, they do not design them to root out fraud. They, des they design them to serve the corporate media who wants to know uh, who's voting, uh, male, female, how much money they make, what their college education level is, and so forth. What it's, they were concerned about. It's meant for demographic, right, what, what were their top concerns. That's what those polls are designed for. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't offer a yellow or red flag as far as, hey— the results here don't match up with the results as reported, but we don't know where those results match up or don't because they don't release the raw data. The uh, exit polls are weighted from the beginning to match what the pollsters think the demogra demographics will be. You know, it would be one thing if we had the raw data, if we could compare the results at this particular precinct the exit poll uh, results at this particular precinct versus the election results at this particular precinct, then they didn't match up. Then we could count the ballots and make sure that they were accurate. Uh, in any event, they don't release that raw data. There is no such thing as unadjusted exit polls versus, you know, the, the, the results at the end of the night that they adjust the, both the exit polls to match the computer reported results. So the very first released so-called unadjusted data is already adjusted by weighting and so forth uh, for demographics. There's nothing nefarious about that. It's done with their small sampling of precincts in, in a county or state to try and match the larger county or state results. Um, still, I don't care. I would want to see actual ballots actually counted by human beings no matter what the exit poll said. If this study or any other looked at, uh, you know, the, the exits versus the results and said, nope, we see no signs of fraud whatsoever. This was a clean election. I would still say, I don't care. I still want you to count those ballots. Well, cause really, I still want human beings to count the ballots and find out if the results were accurate or if the computers screwed it up by error or by fraud. Because you're saying the only way to know for sure, or at least have some modicum, modicum of being knowing Correct. for sure, is to count the ballots even, themselves. That's right. So even if there were no disparities at all, I wouldn't care. So, you know, we see a lot of studies. We've seen these going all the way back to 2004. I've never been particularly moved by them by statistical analysis of results, I say count the ballots. Count the ballots. So, uh, okay. Um, nonetheless, they outline a lot of the concerns that they have, and they are welcome to have those concerns, uh, although it suggests that because there is this disparity between exit polling and voting machines, it can only be voting machines uh, that were, were wrong that the, or, or defrauded in some fashion. Even if 
we find out that the that the results are wrong, it doesn't mean it's fraud. These machines it doesn't prove that it's fraud. These well, these machines fail all the time. Right. They just report the wrong winner. So at best, in my opinion, uh, again, exit polls use them for red or yellow flags to give hints as to where people may want to count ballots or to take other measures to test the theory that fraud or error has happened in that place. Uh, but it's not proof in and of itself. Uh, now, I don't know that Election Justice USA makes that specific claim, but that becomes the suggestion based on a lot of the language I find in their report and many other reports. And again, I, I hate saying it because I don't want to discourage their work, but I need to, you know, people have been asking me about this uh, report and I, I want to respond to it. Now, uh, in many places in the U.S., as I've reported for years, we can never know who voters actually voted for. Because in some of these places, elected uh, and election officials hate democracy so much that they force them to vote on these 100 percent unverifiable uh, touchscreen like systems. But even those systems can be audited in various ways. It's difficult. It's not frequently allowed. But, you know, if you see an area that you suspect is, you know, fraud or error, there are ways to go in and investigate and file suit and get access to the systems and so on and so forth. It's far easier to to do that where there's paper ballot systems. Um, hand-marked, as I said, not computer-printed like coming to Los Angeles, but hand-marked paper ballot uh, systems that can actually be counted. FOIA them. If you have concerns about the results, make public records requests and, and count them. Out here in California, for example, every single paper ballot that was cast could have been counted by hand across the entire state by law. After the June 7th uh, presidential primary election, uh, any voter, you don't even have to be a candidate, any voter can file for a hand count. Now, to my knowledge, none of the folks arguing or, or insinuating that the election was stolen for Hillary or by Hillary in California, in California or elsewhere have filed for a hand count. They could have done that in California. Uh, why didn't they? Uh, I was speaking with the Richard Hayes Phillips, uh, uh, a historian uh, who has uh, looked in. He did fantastic work in Ohio after the questionable 2004 presidential election there. He wrote a book called Witness to a Crime uh, about his investigation going county by county and counting ballots, actual ballots, not statistical guesswork, but actual ballots, finding all kinds of fraud in Ohio. One of the things he told me about uh, this report and others like it is that the folks who are writing it seem to be starting with the cheese and working backwards to the mouse. In other words, uh, they're trying to do science, but they come in and they've got this preconceived notion that this election was stolen. It was fraud. And then they go about trying to find evidence to support that theory. Um, I'm not a scientist. Uh, but I don't think that's how science is supposed to work, where you start with your assumption and work backwards and only look at the evidence that sort of supports that assumption. Now, again, don't want to discourage uh, any investigation here. And it is because of these non-transparent systems that we use that even afford the opportunity for this type of challenge uh, to the results, these questions about the results, whether it's from Trump and, and friends on the right or Democrats and Sanders supporters on the left. That's the problem. It doesn't matter 
whether Trump and his friends are right or wrong. It doesn't matter whether the Sanders supporters uh, are right or wrong. Their concerns, which we allow to happen because of these systems, that in and of itself is a grave threat to uh, America's style of representative democracy. I've been saying this for years, and now we are seeing it. We're seeing those chickens come home to roost in this election. So, you know, I, again, there's a lot of good stuff in uh, in their report. There's a lot of stuff that I don't either I don't agree with or I find an error uh, or I'm just not particularly moved by it for reasons that I hope I have adequately explained here. I had hoped to get to some calls to take some questions on this, but it doesn't look like we're going to have time because I prattled on too much. <laughs> but I want to be clear about this. Uh, but I think that when when we go out and we say that such and such results can only have been due to fraud or due to voting machine hacks, um, I think you need serious evidence to prove that rather than make assertions. And it's not just this report. Other ones have done it. So I'm not trying to single them out. But I do I, I do take exception to declaring fraud without proof of fraud. That's a damn serious charge. A stolen election is a damn serious charge. And in fact, they do offer proof of registration fraud of some type in various places. Now, whether it's enough to have flipped, uh, you know, the election for Sanders to Hillary, they don't show enough of that yet uh, to make that case. As far as I'm concerned, we've been reporting on voter registration problems and concerns about fraud and insiders hacking the uh, voting system, the registration systems on this program throughout the election cycle. So, you know, and the other thing, by the way, is not just fraud uh, by hackers and outside hackers and uh, uh, error by these crappy machines that often get it wrong. They're misprogrammed the source code or the ballot programming for each and every ballot, but they can also be easily manipulated by insiders, election insiders. This is the easiest way to do it. No hacking necessary. Insiders have access uh, with just a few keystrokes to change the results entirely of any election. And there's almost no reason that anybody would ever notice unless they bothered to count the ballots by hand. So, you know, this is how we find uh, fraud and error. For example, in New York, and this, uh, some of the Election Justice USA people are from New York, it was uh, the FOIAs, Freedom of Information Act uh, uh, of, of ballots, public records requests of ballots, counting actual ballots by the New York Daily News that subsequently found that thousands of votes on the brand new computer voting systems used in New York back in 2010 had lost thousands of votes, had dropped thousands of votes. It took years. But like two years later, they finally found out, yeah, it looked like uh, potentially tens of thousands of votes went completely uncounted back in 2010. And they discovered that by counting the ballots. That was New York Daily News did that. So, uh, you know, I think it's 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 these reports in one sense, they are helpful, obviously, to give us information about what happened and what didn't. But I think it's also not helpful to declare fraud or even suggest fraud or a stolen election without hard evidence to support that charge, because then it makes it makes it really easy to dismiss uh, when there actually is hard evidence. And that's what has been done for years. We've seen the mainstream corporate media say, oh, this is conspiracy theory. 
There's not these are conspiracy theorists. Well, those same people, you know, who have been talking about conspiracy theorists are now reporting. Hello, NPR and, you know, Newsweek and, and Christian Monitor, Washington Post. Right now they're reporting. Hey, there's real concerns that these machines are vulnerable to hacking. Yes, they are. Welcome That's to what your we world. have been saying, <laughs> yes, for years. Um, so, I, you know, I had more on this report. Maybe we'll talk about it more in uh, in in the future here, because, uh, again, don't want to disparage it, want to support it. And one of the reasons I haven't covered, covered uh, in more detail some of these reports is because there's stuff I disagree with, but I don't want to go out there and say you're wrong. Because I want them to keep going. I want them to keep digging and, and, and doing what uh, I believe needs to be done, which is citizen oversight. Um, you know, these uh, they talk about what happened in, in Chicago with the post-election audit, which was just a joke because they found all kinds of problems in that. Uh, they you know hid the post-election audit from the public. It was hard to, to oversee. They found errors and they just ignored it and certified the election anyway. It's ridiculous. That's why post-election audits and spot checks are, are ultimately meaningless. Hand count on election night at the precinct with the public watching and the public overseeing everything before those ballots are moved anywhere. That is what I call democracy's gold standard. That is what we need. That is what Election Justice USA is calling for. And um, that's why, yes, as their report confirms, there are reasons for concern. Which, but here's the deal. I have them about every election. I have them. I don't need this report to be concerned about the results of the election. What I need to dissuade my concerns is to actually count ballots. And that's something we still need to do. And that's something that is made very, very difficult by the completely opaque voting systems that we know can be hacked, that we know can be inaccurate, that we have been using in this country and that we continue to use for years. So um, anyway, I, you know, I completely agree with the need for the uh, for the reforms that they lay out in their report. One hundred percent. I want to encourage them to keep doing that work. I just wish that folks didn't suddenly become interested in election integrity only after or sometimes just before. You know, just after their favorite candidate is announced the loser of an election. Election integrity is about making sure that all votes, all voters and for all candidates, even the terrible, abhorrent ones, that they can oversee election results and know and know that their election, uh, that their candidate won or lost in a fair election. That's why we do what we do and, uh, frankly, too often exclusively do it here. But we talk about these uh, issues all year around. Now you got Trump telling his uh, supporters the election will be rigged. You got Sanders uh, supporters concerned that the election will be rigged. We need overseeable systems, and I'll continue to fight that fight for any candidate, for any voter uh, supporting any candidate, whether I like them or not, I will continue that fight, and I'm right there with you. Uh, but we can't do it just before an election. we got to do it all year around, like we do here on the Bradcast. A quick break, and we're back with the Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey. 
Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. All right. Welcome back to the broadcast. I wanted to add, but you know, hey, who listens to me? Oh, you do. Uh, but uh, I used up all the time, so I couldn't take calls. But you can drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Out of time because we got to get to it. Our latest green news report. This election is about climate change, the great environmental crisis facing our planet. I believe in science. Democrats make the case for action on climate change and clean energy jobs at the Democratic National Convention. Trump says global warming is a hoax. I say Trump is a fraud. While smacking Republicans and Donald Trump for denying science. Plus, death and devastation, a half foot of rain in just two hours in central Maryland. Another deadly extreme rainfall event hits the U.S., this time in Maryland. All of those deadly events and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. I've never seen such devastation. That's really what they call an act of God. Unbelievable. Actually, as it turns out, it's an act of man. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I know you have a lot to catch up with us on concerning the Democratic National Convention, now completed in Philadelphia. But before that, an act of man, not God, has once again uh, struck in these United States when it comes to the climate. Yes, historic rainfall and flooding in Ellicott, Maryland, killed two people over the weekend. The historic rainfall event illustrates the increasing trend toward more frequent and intense extreme rainfall events as the planet warms. The National Weather Service said that at one point, the localized severe storm dumped over an inch of rain in just 10 minutes. This is consistent with what scientists have predicted with a warming atmosphere. There has been a lot of consistency in that regard of late, and uh, none of it is good news. Nope. But at least at the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia last week, climate change finally became prominent as one of the many issues highlighted at the convention. Unlike the Republican convention, where climate science was barely mentioned and then only for ridicule, Democrats, like former Maryland governor and former Democratic candidate for president Martin O'Malley, criticized the Republican Party's climate science denial and made the economic case that climate action will generate a clean energy jobs boom. Climate change is not only a real threat, 
It's also the greatest job creation opportunity to come to the United States in a hundred years. California Governor Jerry Brown dismantled the Republicans' false claims about the cost of climate action by pointing to California's enormous economic success, even while increasing clean air and water standards and putting a price on carbon emissions. We're proving that even with the toughest climate laws in the country, our economy in California is growing faster than almost any nation in the whole world. We should note, however, that Governor Brown and the Democratic Party Platform Committee have rejected calls from climate activists to ban fracking, which has helped natural gas displace coal in the U.S., but is linked to water contamination and higher methane emissions. Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, Hillary Clinton's former competitor in the race, highlighted the necessity of appointing Supreme Court justices who will uphold the government's authority to protect the environment. And he focused on the need for speed in transitioning to clean energy as a moral imperative. Unless we act boldly to transform our energy system in the very near future, there will be more drought, more floods, more acidification of the oceans, more rising sea levels. Now that was likely the first time that the words ocean acidification were ever uttered in a presidential convention. In accepting the Democratic Party's nomination, Hillary Clinton drew sharp contrasts with the Republicans and their nominee, Donald Trump. I believe in science. (laughs) I believe climate change is real. And that we can save our planet while creating millions of good-paying, clean-energy jobs. So the Democrats constantly mentioned climate change action. That's a big improvement over previous presidential campaigns and conventions, but with few policy specifics. And they really kind of lacked emphasis on the scale and the speed needed to avoid catastrophic global warming. Now, studies show that the voting public grasps a problem really only when politicians and the media talk about it repeatedly and with urgency. Climate scientists say that the window of opportunity is closing and the important decisions to avoid dangerous warming must be made in the next four to eight years. Well, to your credit, Desi Doyen, you have been talking about it repeatedly and with urgency for many years. At least it seems like a lot of people are finally beginning to listen. Whether it's too late or not, we'll find out. Striking difference, whether the Democrats were specific or not, between the two different parties' conventions. Thank you for drawing that contrast. For much more on all of our stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. One of these things is not like the others. Which one is different? Do you know? Can you tell which thing is not like the others? I'll tell you if it is so. All right, I got to get out of here. I am running late. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our soundboard operator, G. Drop me email on bradcast at bradblog.com or on the Twitters or the Facebooks at TheBradBlog. We'll be back with you uh, same time tomorrow. Until then, you can find me at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.